0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me again for the last time to Ephesians chapter 6. We've had these notes since uh, what is it, 19, uh, 2015, and uh, we will uh, be finishing up with Ephesians 6. I actually want, since this is our last time, to walk back through kind of what we saw as we lean, drive toward uh, our final part of the Lord's arm, armor. So Paul starts out in Ephesians 6, and we're starting out with verse 10, it's saying, Finally, which you know is paul 's a preacher that doesn 't mean anything. Uh, I heard a joke about a preacher who I think Bruce you told me this that would take his watch off before he preached and set it on the lectern and he, A man in the audience had a friend who was visiting and and as the service was moving forward, he would say, "Now what does it mean when the music director walked out to start saying well, that means we 're about to start singing. What does that mean when when this happens, and so he's kind of walking through the service, and when the preacher took his watch off and set it on the lectern, he said, now what does that mean? And the man looked at him and said, not a thing. <laughs> so Paul here says, finally, and that doesn't mean a thing, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness over the spiritual, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, Paul tells us that who we're fighting against is not other people. We've stressed this. People are not the enemy. People who are coming against us seemingly, even, I can say, of Andrew, stuck there in a prison in The the people around him, those guards, the judge, they're not the enemy. They're captured by our enemy to do his will. And so we love them. We pray for them. Even people who treat us poorly. Jesus said throughout the the, uh, Sermon on the Mount, if somebody slaps you, you turn the other cheek. We pray for those who despitefully use us. We bless them. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do have a formidable enemy, an enemy that lies, an enemy that does not fight fair, an enemy that will do whatever he can do to harm the cause of Christ, to try to undermine his kingdom, to try to disable his church. But we fight a fight, we said when we studied this part, that's already been won, Our enemy is already defeated. He was crushed at the cross. The only thing he has to hold against us is our sin and our own wickedness, and that has been paid for at the cross. And Jesus told his people, it is my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This text is clearly saying that in the face of onslaught from the enemy, whether it is sickness and death, whether it is lies and gossip, whether it is murder and slander, no matter what it is, that we as believers are to stand. He starts out and says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And then he begins saying that our job is, Is to stand. In verse 13, where we left off, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore. I love that he says it like four or five times. It's almost like Paul recognizes that we're not going to get his point, so I'm going to say it over and over again. If I did this in English, you would all think I would and just had a bad stutter. Stand. Oh, and by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, stand. You need to stand. And the way that you're going to stand, we're going to talk about standing. That's essentially what he's doing here. We are to stand in what God, the truth that God has given us. The onslaught of, the, of our enemy will come against us. And our task is to stand. But we can't do that on our own. We have to put on the whole armor of God. And so he walks us through what that armor is. Having fastened on the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So we talked about the, that, that That belt of truth is what the, the soldier would do to gird up his loins. To take that dress he was wearing and tighten it up so nothing got in his way. And so we as believers, we eject things that would get in our way. We... Uh, discipline our lives so that, that things don't happen to us, as we in, in, as we in leadership have been looking at what happened with Acton Bowen and asking the question, what can we do as a church to protect the children that are here? We need to do everything that we can do to make sure that nothing like that could ever happen here. How do we do that? And part of that is we eject things and we throw things away that aren't helpful and we make sure that we put fences around things to protect our own hearts, if not only. So those of you who know or have ever heard me speak, I have a personal policy that I'm, I am never alone with a person of the opposite sex. Um, we ha- and I have strongly suggested to the staff that they take on that. Uh, I'm tonight in tonight's elders meeting. I'm going to ask that we codify that as a rule. That we ask the staff to sign a document saying they will not be alone with a person of the opposite sex and they will not be alone with a minor at any time. And that way we can protect us from that aspect of it. And we're looking at other ways to make sure that if you look out through that window, you see that Max is now standing in the gathering area so that kids can't wander off because, you know, they'll go to the bathroom and then end up being in a trailer or something, and and, and the kids are kids. It's our job to be the adults. Um, And so we are looking at and praying about and thinking about what do we need to do to make sure that we're ready for the fight that's going to come against us. Because I, I, I honestly believe now as more and more victims come out that Acton was a predator but the churches and the ministries that he was involved in should have never allowed him to be in a situation where he was alone carrying a kid to a Braves game. That should never happen. And so that's our job as, a church, as members of the church to make sure that there are boundaries and there are fences. That is exact, that's the best example I could find of putting on that, that belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness is you protect your heart, you protect your 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 vitals, and you protect it by that righteousness. Then that's not our righteousness; it's the righteousness that only comes from God. We said as shoes for our feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We talked about as we studied that deeply that uh, uh, your feet are some of them in any combat scenario are some of the most important thing that you have to protect. I shared how when I was in the Marine Corps, they would say, if you're ever on the ground, you are dead. If you ever see any war movies or that, that have any air of, of, of reality to them, you'll see people changing their socks or walking around with a pair of socks around their neck so they're drying. It's not a necessarily pleasant smell-wise, but it's better than getting blisters all over the place. Am I, am I right, First Sergeant? You protect your feet. You have to go sit in these really, really boring classes for a long time where you, you're told why you've got to protect your feet, how you got to protect your feet. For these Roman soldiers, it was the same thing. And so they wore specific shoes. And, and we talked about how they developed the, the hobnail boot so that they could protect their feet. And what is it that we're talking about here? We're talking about the shoes, the readiness given by the gospel of peace and how the enemy will come to your life, come to your heart. And remind you, remind you of what's in your heart. Remind you of the sins that you've committed. The quote that we looked at was Martin Luther who said, whenever the devil comes to me and reminds me that I am a great sinner, I think a great sinner requires a great Savior. And we have a great Savior. That peace of God that passes all understanding, only available for for him. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And we talked about how that concave shield that a Roman soldier would carry was covered on the outside with leather and would have been soaked in water before the battle. And how it interlocked with the man beside him. And how that Roman soldier fought through his shield. And my shield protected the man to my right and left. And how we need each other's faith. My faith isn't just my own. Last two weeks, um, I have. It seems like uh, you know everything that could pull you down has happened. Um, I I've sat with Garrett before and told him you can act like doing a funeral doesn't take anything out of you, but it does. And and doing a funeral for for a lady that's about your age. For some reason took a lot out of me it made me stop and ponder my own mortality and then on top of that it just seemed like you know there were lots of high stress situations going on here and else. and I, uh, I I'll just, just just be honest I've just been down bad the last few weeks and really struggling in my own walk well today uh, brother Welch, who's a missionary to to uh, West Africa made an appointment to come by and talk to me just um, just to catch up and let you let me know how the ministry's going, and we sat around for two hours and traded back and forth stories in both of our lives where God inexplicably unexplainably has stepped into situations. and I shared with him how in Nepal i coming down the mountain a- after having taught a pastor 's conference with you know three hundred people. A little 14-year-old boy with an AK-47 around his neck throws open the back of a pickup truck tarp and looks at a group of Nepali people with me and Patrick Morton, who is as white as that name sounds, are sitting in the back of that trailer. And he looked and said, "Ah, just a bunch of mountain people, threw the cover down, ran them off. Why didn't he recognize, I'm about as honky as a person can get? Why am I not languishing in a Nepali communist prison right now? Why am I not in prison in Turkey? And that's just two stories of times when God has stepped in and so I would tell those stories, and he would say, "That's praise the Lord." And he told me a story about how a time when he was driving a, a motorcycle across nowhere Africa, and he was trying to get some food somewhere, and it, he he went into in this motorcycle went into a, a out in the middle of nowhere miles, hundreds of miles, for all he knows, from the next nearest person, and he's going through this mud hole that was a lot deeper than he thought, and he starts coming up up the other side, and the the motorcycle just stops, and he starts feeling it slide backwards and knows that once that thing gets stuck in the mud, he ain't going to be able to get that motorcycle out. And there are literal lions and tigers and bears, oh my, in the African jungle, and he doesn't know how he's going to live. And all of a sudden, he felt forward momentum. He looked behind him, and there was a big African woman who was standing there. And she put her shoulder up under the the cooler that he had strapped to the back of the motorcycle and pushed because there was still a little bit of momentum. It got him up out of the hill. He jumps off his motorcycle to give her some money to thank her, and she was gone. And he'd tell me that story and I'd tell him a story and then back and forth. And before I knew it, all of my worries were gone because I'd been exposed to the faithfulness of our God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I didn't know it, but I needed, desperately needed His faith. And so that shield of faith that we have isn't just our own. We need each other's shields to be interlocking around us because the devil's going to be flinging those fiery darts of lies. And then last week we looked at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we said, we have got to be in God's Word or we will wither and die. Now every weapon we've seen... Except possibly the sword, and we talked about last week how the sword that Paul uses is a short, defensive sword. Remember, I had the K bar. I took the K bar with me into the deacons' meeting just to make sure that they understood where I, I was on any particular point. Um, but it was a—it's a weapon that's made for hand-to-hand combat. Now we get to the offensive weapon in this text. Our offensive weapon as Christians is prayer. Our fighting position as believers is on our knees. Just as last week we talked about how anemic and weak the church in America seems to be because of our lack of time in God's Word, I would say doubly so uh, about the idea of prayer. We don't understand the concept of prayer. We don't understand what it is, and we certainly don't do it. As I have shared my story for Turkey with with you, um, it still shocks me to think of the timing of when we stood in front of the man that was checking our passports. And... Just, when was the tornado in Southside Three weeks ago? I walked up to a group of men who were working on the chainsaw crew and introduced myself. And then after we talked for a little bit, he goes, you're the guy that we prayed for that time. I've had people all over the southeast say that to me. I remember that night. I usually don't even go to prayer meeting. And that night we prayed for you. I've had little kids tell me that they were doing VBS and that the the leader of the VBS gathered all the kids together and they prayed for a family that God would protect them and get them out of Turkey. didn't know who we were I don't even know why God put it on so many people's hearts to pray for us. But I have no doubt in my mind that the reason why that 24, 25-year-old kid that was working at a customs booth took my passport and said, Are you the same as her? And when I said yes, Xerox my passport and then handed it back to me and never swiped it on his computer was only because so many people were praying. And sometimes I think about the fact that that poor kid is probably in jail. Because he let me go. And every time I read about what's going on right now in Diabaker, I go. that Just like Bruce said, That could be me. That could so easily be me. And it certainly isn't that God loves me more than he does Andrew. And so I have to say, and I believe with everything in me, just like I said, that God is using Andy just like he needs to be right now. And that God is just as faithful in that prison now as he is in this sanctuary at North Glencoe. And it's he has the same God that I do. But I know that the only reason that I got out is because people prayed. God answers prayer. Paul gives us some specific things to pray for in this text. And uh, he uses the word all quite a few times. Kind of like he used the word stand quite a few times at the opening of this particular text. He used the word all several times praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints now I gotta say it may just be me but that sentence feels really intimidating all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications I'm here to tell you, first of all, that that's really the only way that we'll stand. If the text is about standing, the only way we can stand is by being in prayer. The enemy will overcome us and defeat us, if not. I think that part of the all comes in recognizing that prayer is not a formal dictation to God. And this is what I mean by that. And I'm not making fun of anybody. And I, I've said this before, but I, I promise I'm not mocking. But I've been in quite a few churches that the average person talking sounded like more like they were on hee-haw than, than they were on Meet the Press. And somebody's asked to pray. And Joe Blow gets up to pray, and all of a sudden he becomes an Elizabethan English speaker. That... And I'm not, I know that he's doing that to try to be respectful. He's trying to reflect back the language that he's read in his King James Bible. Oftentimes, though, that formal way of praying teaches people that you can't pray at all times. Because what the text says is for us to be praying at all times, I, I can't maintain that. God is expecting us to come before him as we are. I had a young uh, a mother come to me she had a, a a daughter that was starting to act out in school. Um, she had gone from being a, a, a making very good grades to after a a, a death of her husband uh, making very poor grades. The little girl was being very sassy uh, you know back talking mama everything was was negative mom couldn 't do anything right and the mother was just had had it up here, couldn't take it anymore, didn't know what she was going to do, didn't have a husband to help her, and so she asked if, if I could help. And I, I said, I doubt it, but I'll, I'll, I'll try. And so the girl and I started talking, and uh, I, I realized very quickly that, that this girl was just angry. And I said to her, I didn't ask her if she was angry, because I figured she, since I'm a preacher, she would lie. Um, and so I said, Here's the thing, it's okay for you to be angry. But you're being angry at the wrong person. Because it's not mama's fault. Who you're angry with is God. And you need to tell him. And so, I said, if you want to go out in the backyard and yell at God, he can take it. I've said from the pulpit before, God is never going to be in heaven wringing His hands going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. (laughs) He already knows what's in your heart. Every funeral I preach, I tell people, God can take it if you strip away the King James language from the Psalms, like half the Psalms that David wrote, he's yelling at God. We read in the King James, incline your ear to me, O Lord, hear my prayer. If that's in the vernacular, what David is saying is, is listen to me God! I can't take this anymore! My soul melts within me! I'm crushed under the weight of what's happening, God! Please take this from me! Everybody in here who's ever lost someone that they love knows exactly what that feels like. We err when we approach God and lie to Him in the way that we pray. Be real with Him. Tell Him how you feel. And in the life of that little girl, we saw God sap her of that anger as she honestly shared it with God. The other side to that all, I think, that's important. So he wants all of us. He wants us to be real with him, and he wants us to be praying all the time. And this, in my own life, and may, maybe I'm, I've failed at this. I think this is what he's reaching for. Everybody in here, I think, has an inner monologue that goes on all the time. If if we could think out loud and. I have found as I've gotten older that I do think out loud more often than I used to. You know, you, you kind of, you're going through the day, and it's like, who left that lay in there? Oh my gosh, and, and uh, well, I gotta get, got to get my coffee this morning, and well, the Keurig's not got any water in it, and then, okay, so I'm getting, and then that kind of, there's kind of an inner monologue that's going along through your day. And again, as I've getting, gotten older, I'm finding that it's more complaining to myself about, oh man, when did that come from? And I was fine yesterday, when did that start hurting? Or, or what is that place on my hand? Is that? I bet that's cancer. I, that sort of a thing. Convert that monologue to a dialogue. And it's really just a tweak. It doesn't take much for that to become a conversation. For that inner monologue to become... Instead of saying, God, or instead of saying to myself, "Who got the last cup of coffee and didn't put water in it?" I know who it is—either me or Ann. Because <laughs> I don't think any of my other kids. I mean, Emily occasionally makes a cup of tea, and uh, so that would be an opportunity for me to go as I'm filling that thing. Pray for my wife. Hey, God, be with Ann. She's she's still asleep. Help her to sleep well, God. I pray that you would just. Lord, help her to have a great day. Help the kids when they get up this morning to, to have a, uh, not to be gripey and fussy. And God, I, I pray for those kids. God, I pray for Lizzie. Just help her to shut up when she needs to shut up. And Lord, help her to learn how to speak with grace and peace. And help her to be the young lady that you've got. And with just a little bit of tweaking, all those same things that I would have been saying in my head to myself, I've converted into prayer. And I'm not saying that I do that fully all the time, but I have found that when I do that, it, it doesn't cause me walking around getting more and more frustrated with things. It helps me to go through my day filled with joy. Because honestly, I can't do a whole lot about a lot of my problems, but He can. I can't fix anybody, including my own kids, but He can. I can't fix any of you heathens. he can and so just that little bit of a tweak of converting your inner monologue to a dialogue with your Creator can change your life and so that's how we pray at all times in all ways The idea of praying in the Spirit is along the same. That God will lead you from thought to thought to thought as you pray. Now, I will say that uh, there are some things that are so important to me that I want to remind myself. And I've, I think I've shared with you that I've gone into uh, my Google Calendar and I've set up daily uh, their uh, reminders, a to-do list within Google Calendar, so that on Mondays, I pray for uh, my wife and kids, um, mom and dad, and I pray for um, a set, a a group of five or six deacons and and one or two elders on Monday. And then I've got a list that I set up, so on Tuesday, I pray for a, a different group of people. And so I've got people that I pray for Every day that I get those little reminders, and it literally takes 15 minutes. I get the reminder. I, I at some point in my morning, I will get alone and I will pray through that list. Those are important enough prayers that I want to make sure that I get those. If if one of you comes to me and says, "Will you pray for me on the 28th because I'm having surgery?" It, It may make me look like I'm I'm some new techno guy, but I will always get my phone out and add it to that reminder day because A, I don't want to lie to you and say I'm going to pray for you and I don't. And B, I don't want to just forget it. So I will usually do two things. I'll add it to the reminder when you ask me and I'll pray for you right there. That way, if, if Google dies and I don't get the reminder, I still haven't lied because I've already prayed for you. So I've covered it in two different ways. One of the things that, that I've always tried to do, and I'll tell you that, that Joe and Bruce and those guys, as we go through the hospital, as I see somebody, um, I very rarely have anybody, I think twice in my whole life, I've had somebody that I said, "What well, can I pray for you for that about that? That have, has said no. I think twice in my whole life. Everybody else, even people that I, if I can tell they're not really into it, they'll be like, yeah, sure, fine, if you want to, Whatever. I get that sometimes, but usually I get an exuberant, yes, please. And so, if I'm walking through the hospital, I will, uh, and I've seen these guys do it, well, kid, let's pray for this, and we'll all gather around, and, and you'll see people walking by us going, what in the world are they doing? And, but we pray right there in, in the hall. I have a personal uh, policy that um, if I'm out in town and I see someone who's a fireman, uh, one of our first responders or a policeman, I will ask them, can I pray for you? And I've had some people look at me like, yeah, sure, I guess. But I'll pray that God would protect them. They're protecting me so I can, the only gift I can give them other than my taxes, and you know my tax dollars are paying your paycheck. Uh, <laughs> but the one big blessing I can give them is to pray for them. You don't have to have that same rule. You can say that every time I, that just People, that is the best evangelism that we can do, is to tase somebody out loud. Can I pray for you? And it doesn't ha- have to be, and it never is, a fancy prayer. I, I just pray, God. I pray for your blessing on his life. I pray that you would protect him. God, I pray that you would be with him today. Bam. That's it. I'm, it's not. This is not the time for me to pray for the missionaries in East Angola. It's not the time for me to get caught up on my prayer life. I'm just quickly throwing that out there. And then finally, what we'll be able to cover tonight is pray for all the saints. We need to be praying for each other. Now, um, the directory that you got a few years ago is a great resource for that. I use my directory to pray for you guys um, we are working on updating our church roles. That's the that's way we can do that. You could pray through your Sunday school class roles. We need prayer. We need to be praying for each other. The biggest gift you can give me is to pray for me. I've shared before how I, I have had times, at least 50 times in my life, where I'll be going through a uh, rough situation. I remember a specific time in Turkey where I was i was just... I was down, I, w- I was having a rough time, and I was walking along a street and <coughs> just caught myself singing. I'm just walking along and caught myself singing, and I was singing some hymn that I hadn't heard. Clearly, if I was in Turkey, I hadn't heard it in years, but I'm singing. And i, I my spirits had lifted and... Man, things were just, it seems like all of that, that, those doubts and fears and things were just lifted off my shoulders. And a few days later, I got an email from somebody and said, hey, I just want to let you know that two days ago, Lord laid your name on my heart, and I was just praying for you. If there's anything specifically, just let me know. I knew exactly what time they were praying for me because I felt it. I've had some of you, when you were in the hospital or you were sick, and, and I'd say, hey, I prayed for you yesterday or You'd say, I know, I can tell. I know that your prayers have been lifting me up. Prayer works. It's not a last ditch pie in the sky, we're just wringing our hands hoping something happens. Prayer is an active task that can actually do something. It's not like the, you know, the I've, I've heard the story of, of the deacon's meeting where the preacher said, well, we just need to pray and the Ch- chairman of the deacons looked at him and said, has it really come to that? Has it gotten that bad? That we need, all we can do is pray? And I will close this by saying that often God puts us in situations that we have to pray. An example of this, the best way of describing this is this, this way? And, and I've had to have, give this speech five or six times if people have called me about the, the financial situation with the church. And this, this is almost verbatim my prepared speech. When my children were two, three, four years old, we'd go to Walmart, for example. I had three of my kids were Runners two of them would stay right up on you. Emily would stay right up on you. I remember, in fact, one time we were looking at some toys and I'd gotten to the end cap and then gotten just around at the next line and I heard her start wailing. Daddy, you left me! And I'm like, I'm, hey, child, I'm right here. Come. So I never had to worry about her running. William, we've left at church before and not realized it until we're, you're sitting in the bed watching TV and then come back up here and got him and he never realized he was left. And so I never told him. So if I want him to know, I'll, I will tell him. So y'all keep that on the download. But I've had kids that would run off. And so what I would do is if I was walking along look, looking for jumper cables and I looked around and William was gone, I would go find him and then I would give him a gentle reminder on his honey why he should always stay with me. And at that moment, he was not happy about life. But the reason I did that was because I loved him, and he needed to stay close to Daddy. Because this world will eat him alive. There are people out there that, that will do wicked, evil, disgusting things, and I wanted to protect him. And so God, often in our lives, will do things to make sure that we stay close to Daddy. I have been involved in ministries as large as the International Mission Board and as small as a church that was ran 33. And I've never been a part of a ministry that was just flushed with cash. Does that mean that God can't make a church be flushed with cash? No. I've, been a, I've seen churches from afar. I've never been a part. Maybe that's my fault. I, there's a church here in town that had a, a lady die and left them $6 million. God could do that. But how... Faithful would we be to cry out to God in need if we didn't need anything? Now, when we start to wander off, or sometimes as a reminder, God will do things so that we come running back up against His leg. Because He knows that if we're not in prayer, this world will eat us alive. And so He keeps us dependent on Him. Because when we're dependent, and we got our arm kicked around His leg then we're safe. We're being protected from all that the enemy wants to bring against us. And so, God will be and is faithful. He does what he needs to do to take care of his people. I've seen it a million times. He's going to do things, though, just like I would do things in William's life and Molly's life and Lizzie's life to make sure that they remembered, I need you right here. You need to be right here. Little ones will run right out on the road, won't they? Levi today, after we had ate, he went right out that front door and would have probably still been running down 431 if Daddy hadn't run out and grabbed him and Mama. You ran, right? Because you were the one that said you, you got, burned all the calories. We're the same way. In fact, one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible is in the book of Hosea where God says to Israel, I took you up by the hands and you held my fingers as I taught you to walk. And as soon as you could walk, you ran from me. Father God, Lord, I thank you for your word. As we take the next few weeks and look at a text that says, if my words abide in you, and you abide in me, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. God, teach us as a people to pray. God, give us a hunger to commune with you. And protect us from being those people who came to you and said, I did all kinds of stuff for you, and you looked at them and said, I don't know you. God, help us to commune with you. Help us to know the joy of walking with our Savior and our Creator. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.